Luke 24, verse 1. The women went to the tomb in the very early morning of the first day of the week, carrying the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and when they went in, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they were at a loss of what to make of it all, suddenly two men in shining clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces toward the ground. But the men said to them, Why look for the living with the dead? He isn't here. He's been raised. Don't you remember? While you were still in Galilee, he told you that the Son of Man must be handed over into the hands of sinners and be crucified and rise again on the third day. And they remembered his words. They went back away from the tomb and told all this to the eleven and the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and the others with them. They said this to the apostles, and this message seemed to them just stupid, useless talk, and they didn't believe them. Peter, though, got up and ran to the tomb. He stooped down and saw only the grave clothes. He went back home, perplexed at what had happened. That very day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, which lay about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were discussing with each other all the various things that had taken place. And as they were discussing and arguing with each other, Jesus himself approached and walked with them. Their eyes, though, were prevented from recognizing him. You're obviously having a very important discussion on your walk, he said. What's it all about? They stood still, a picture of gloom. Then one of them, Cleopas by name, answered him. You must be the only person around Jerusalem, he said, who doesn't know what's been going on here these last few days. What things, he asked. To do with Jesus of Nazareth, they said to him. He was a prophet. He acted with power and he spoke with power. Before God and all the people, our chief priests and rulers handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was going to redeem Israel. And now, what with all this, it's the third day since it happened. But some women from our group have astonished us. They went to his tomb very early this morning and didn't find his body. They came back saying they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of the folk with us went off to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. You are so senseless, he said to them, so slow in your hearts to believe all the things the prophet said to you. Don't you see? This is what had to happen. The Messiah had to suffer and then come into his glory. So he began with Moses and with all the prophets and explained to them the things about himself through the whole Bible. They drew near to the village where they were going. Jesus gave the impression that he was going further, but they urged him strongly not to. Stay with us, they said. It is nearly evening. The day is almost gone. And he went in to stay with them. As he was sitting at table with them, he took the bread and he gave thanks. 
He broke it and gave it to them. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, Do you remember how our hearts were burning inside us? as he talked to us on the road, as he opened up the Bible for us. And they got up then and there and went back to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and the people with them gathered together. They were saying, The Lord really has been raised. He's appeared to Simon. Then they told what happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. As they were saying this, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be with you. They were terrified and alarmed and thought they were seeing a ghost. Why are you so disturbed, he said. Why do these questionings keep coming up in your hearts? Look at my hands and feet. It really is me, myself. Touch me and see. Ghosts don't have flesh and bones like you can see I have. With these words, he showed them his hands and feet. While they were still in disbelief and amazement, from sheer joy, he said to them, Have you got something here to eat? They gave him a piece of baked fish, which he took and ate in front of them. Then he said to them, This is what I was talking to you about when I was still with you. Everything written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and the Psalms had to be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Bible. This is what was written, he said. The Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And in his name, repentance for the forgiveness of sins must be announced to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are the witnesses for all this. Now look. I'm sending upon you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then he took them out as far as Bethany and lifted up his hands and blessed them. As he was blessing them, he was separated from them and carried into heaven. They worshipped him and went back to Jerusalem in great joy. They spent all their time in the temple praising God. Happy Easter, everyone. I hope you have a wonderful Easter and that you're gathering with God's people to celebrate the resurrection today. I have a couple of quick meditations that have come to me as I read this Luke 24. Uh, just a few observations, really. And this is a from a new Bible that I have called the Kingdom New Testament written by N.T. Wright, who's an English um, New Testament scholar, one of the best New Testament scholars in the world. And uh, he makes the argument in his preface, you know, that because our language is always changing and because the recipients of the Bible in their first language were receiving it in a common language, it makes sense that in each generation we would keep translating the Bible. And now I personally don't know Hebrew, ancient Hebrew or Greek, the New Testament languages. I've learned enough about some of the words and some of the important facets of it to be, um, you know, helpful in my pastoring. But uh, N.T. Wright's one of the top, uh, you know, 
scholars in this. And so he actually made this translation partially through his teaching because he wanted to translate things himself as he's writing other books and as he's teaching his students. So one of the great parts about this, this is the resurrection story told by Luke. Now, Luke was hired, it seems, by the church or by somebody named um, Lover of God, Theophilus. That's why we don't know if it was a group of people an individual with that real name or if it was just a pseudonym for someone who loved God so he was going to hire Luke to investigate the story about Jesus. So Luke writes with the most detail out of any of the other uh, uh, gospel writers. Sort of a step-by-step account, very, uh, in a sense, kind of formal. And so this is about the women going to the tomb and they find the tomb is empty. Now, when the women show up and they see that the tomb's empty and they have this amazing experience where two men, quote unquote, two men show up in shining clothes and say, what are you waiting for Jesus here for? Don't you remember that he told you all he wasn't going to be here? Now, the women having this incredible experience go back and tell the rest of the disciples what took place. And it says here, let me find the exact verse. Um, it says that they, they said to the apostles, all these things, and the message seemed to them just stupid, useless talk, and they didn't believe them. Now, these guys were probably prejudiced against these witnesses to this great event because they were women. Now, fascinatingly, God himself was not prejudiced against the women, but rather Um, chose women as the first witnesses of the resurrection. And this is a theme throughout, believe it or not, the whole Bible, but, uh, but at least in the New Testament, the inclusion of women into the community as full heirs, full members, which was a radical idea, and that God would reveal himself first in the resurrection to women was just out of this world in terms of the way that the, the Jewish culture at that time would be. So having said that, they don't believe him. But Peter, always the zealot, he puts on his running shoes and he runs all the way back to the tomb to find out what's going on. And what he finds is that it is empty except for the grave clothes. And uh, so he witnesses at least that part. Now, one of the greatest things I love about the Bible in general and about this section of scripture as well is just the haplessness and the ignorance, and the doubting, and the foolishness of even Jesus's closest disciples, Peter being the number one. It isn't until Jesus meets them on the road, and they still can't tell that it's him. You know, we don't know why that is exactly. It seems to be some sort of miraculous reason why they can't recognize him. It says, you know, their eyes were closed, so they were were, were not able to recognize who it was. But it isn't until he reveals himself to them at dinner through the breaking of the bread, there's some significance, that they they finally understand who it is. And then he vanishes. And then they all run off to tell everybody about it. And he appears right in their midst again. And wouldn't you know it, of all the things, for the second time at least, they think that he's a ghost. Now, the first time I'm referring to is when they see him walking on the water. And I, I've wondered this for a while. Why do the disciples who are Jews, who are, you know, religious Jews, 
and who've been walking and talking and listening to Jesus and walking as his disciples, why in the world do they keep thinking Jesus is a ghost? Why would they even think that it was a ghost on the water? Why do they think that Jesus is a ghost when he appears to them? Uh, and, it, and, it, and there's another situation later, which is at least the third time when, um, I believe it's when Peter comes out of jail. Uh, and he's, he's miraculously brought out of jail, and everyone's convinced that it's Peter's ghost coming to visit them. I don't know where this influence comes from in their life, but this was not part of Jesus' teaching, that, that ghosts come and visit you that look like your friends, and you can't let them in the door because the ghost might come in your house. So it just goes to show you how you know superstitious, how foolish, how slow to learn, even as he says... Uh, how slow are you guys to figure out all the things I'm telling you, and especially the ancient scriptures which prophesied about this? And the reason I love this is because at times that's the way I am. And I can understand that this is, this is how even Jesus' closest disciples are. He understands. He loved them and he loves me as well as I follow along with him. And yet he does promise to give us his Holy Spirit, those of us who turn to him, who repent of our sins and and follow him. He does give us his Holy Spirit so that we will have faith and we will be able to continue on and that we will have our minds open to understand the scripture. That's another part which it says here that Jesus opened their minds to understand the scripture. And what was it that they needed to know about the scripture? They needed to know that the whole thing was about him. The whole thing, the law, Moses' books, the prophets, all the different stories, uh, everything that took place in the Psalms, all the writings, all the songs, it's all about what Jesus would do. It's all about reconciliation. It's all about redemption. It's all about his atonement for us in our, in, in our place that he died for us. It's all about the example that he would set. It's all about what he would fulfill. Not in a sort of otherworldly spiritual way, but in real human flesh that he would condescend from his godhood to become a man and would actually die in his flesh and come back to life and ascend to heaven, not as a spirit detached from his body, but actually as a man forever in a resurrected body, showing us what the future for you and I look like if we will follow after him. It's an incredible story here, what, how, how uh, he finishes this off and how the disciples are so slow to learn. And we can take refuge in that fact when you and I don't get what's going on with God. The Bible says of Jesus that it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross, despising the shame, and that it's because of this that the Father has raised him up and given him the name that is above every name. And we see that there was joy here also from the disciples, that when they realized what was going on, their fear of his being a ghost disappeared, and it says that they were in disbelief and amazement from pure joy. And again, at the very end of this chapter, the last words of Luke, they worshipped him and they went back to Jerusalem in great joy. They spent all their time in the temple praising God. So they got it. They understood in the end what was happening, or at least they began to. And as Jesus ascended, he said, don't go out and start doing these things until I send my Holy Spirit. 
and that once the Spirit came, that was when this age began. And so the Holy Spirit is available for you and I, however dumb we may be, however slow we may be to understand. Jesus is there. He will help us. We need to begin walking behind Him, walking along with Him, listening to what He has to say through the Scriptures, through His teachings. As we do this, He will guide us. He will give us the Holy Spirit, which is a gift for us. And we will be children of God. God bless you. I pray that you are following Him or that you will and that you will celebrate the resurrection on this day.